Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Welcome once again to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. How is everybody doing on this Monday? We have got a great show for you. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM The Key out of Noonan. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar Grill, Go Jump and Slide of Labels, and Christie's Cafe. We have a jam-packed show for you today because I have my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank, and he is going to join me shortly. But we have a lot of sports to get into. I'm going to do my best to cover it all. This is episode 483 on this October the 17th, 2022. And I am super excited to be here. Going to talk about Tennessee getting a big win over Alabama. First time in 15 tries. And I'm sure that a diehard Tennessee fan was seen in Rocky Top all night long over the weekend. Pandemonium in Knoxville. Tearing down the goalposts. Goalposts ended up in the Tennessee River. Oh, it's incredible. The Atlanta Braves season does come to an end. They lose to the Philadelphia Phillies in the division series. And then I'm also going to talk about the Atlanta Falcons getting the most complete win so far of the season, defeating the injury-depleted San Francisco 49ers 28-14. to The story in this game was the defense holding on to get the victory, and now the Falcons are 3-3. Three and three. You know, every time I get on and do this show on Mondays, I feel like... The next weekend can't possibly top the weekend before because we've had some crazy finishes in high school football, college football, and the NFL. Not to mention, we also got the baseball playoffs going on right now. But we had some very interesting high school matchups. Central getting a statement win over Auburn, 38-17. And I'm going to reveal my new top 10 rankings for East Alabama and West Georgia for Week 9. But I'm going to start this show about the Tennessee-Alabama game. Because there was a lot of hype with this game. This was the biggest game for Tennessee in about 20 years. The last time that Tennessee was this good, it was the early 2000s. And they were competing for national championships. I remember because I was a student at Fried Hardman University. And when I arrived on the campus, a lot of the students were bleeding orange. They loved their Tennessee volunteers. And after beating Alabama 52-49. to And I'm going to break down the game because it was a fascinating game. It was one of the best games I've ever seen. Definitely the game of the year. And Alabama came to play. I'm going to have Gabe Reynolds on the show tomorrow, and I'm going to have Brad Page on the show Wednesday. Gabe is an Alabama fan. Brad is a Tennessee fan. We are going to break down 
this game because there are some good things to talk about when it comes to Alabama and Tennessee. First of all, I had no idea that Bryce Young was injured. He didn't look like it. He had an amazing game. And Jameer Gibbs, this guy played for Georgia Tech. Did I miss that? I I don't know. But from start to finish, first of all, Tennessee came out the gate hot, going up 7-0. They go up 28-10, and I knew they weren't going to put Alabama away. I knew that Alabama was going to crawl back. That's exactly what they did. They tied it up at 28 apiece. When Dallas Turner got the scoop and score to make it 49-42, to I thought that the game was over. Hendon Hooker converts on a fourth down. He got the incomplete pass call that led to a pass interference by Alabama. And Tennessee fights to live another day. With the game tied, Alabama has a chance to march down the field. And they did just that. Bryce Young just looked incredible. Will Riker had a chance to kick a 50-yard field goal, and he misses it, hooks it to the right, and you got about 16 seconds left to go in Tennessee. It only took two plays to get in the field goal range. Hendon Hooker, he connected on his favorite target, Jalen Hyatt, who had five touchdown receptions. That ties an SEC school record. The last player in the SEC to get five touchdown receptions was Devonta Smith for the University of Alabama. And Tennessee, Chase McGrath. You're going to hear this name for a long time. I believe the kick was partially blocked. And Chase McGrath with the knuckleball kick. Tennessee wins 52-49. to It's their best start since 1998. They beat Alabama for the first time since 2006. Nick Saban wasn't even the coach. In the last 15 tries, Nick Saban has beaten Tennessee. And now Tennessee fans can sing Rocky Top. I have no idea where those goalposts are. Somewhere in the Tennessee River. Now, you beat Alabama. Now look at the rest of your schedule. UT Martin, Kentucky, and then on November the 5th. I hope this is a primetime game on CBS. Tennessee and Georgia. It's starting to look like a de facto college football playoff game and ticket prices in Athens are skyrocketing a lot of people want to see that game and then Tennessee follows up with Missouri South Carolina and Vanderbilt pretty easy schedule for Tennessee to win the SEC East I believe Tennessee is capable of doing that I believe they are the third best team in the country they can go toe-to-toe with anybody including Ohio State including Michigan And I think they got a shot against Georgia. That was part of the crazy afternoon of college football. It started with the big noon kickoff. Michigan and Penn State, it was a slugfest to start the game. Penn State, in fact, did take the lead in this game after an interception touchdown by J.J. McCarthy. But Michigan wins 41-17. to J.J. McCarthy is the guy in Ann Arbor. Michigan is now number three, and they are starting to play with fire and intensity. I'm looking at their schedule. Michigan's got to play Michigan State, Rutgers, Nebraska, all winnable games. They could be undefeated going into that Ohio State game. And that could be another de facto college football semifinal game. Ohio State looks great. But I think Michigan can actually go toe-to-toe with them. Auburn's shown some fight against Ole Miss. Ole Miss actually routed the Auburn Tigers 48-34. to Auburn falls to 3-4. and But I was impressed with Tank Bigsby. 
20 carries, 179 yards, and two touchdowns. Look, Brian Harson is still going to be the head coach for Auburn. They are three and four. They take on Arkansas in two weeks. They do have winnable games. Arkansas, Western Kentucky. I don't see them beating Mississippi State, but they do play Texas A&M at the Plains. They get to 6-6 six and six and they go to a bowl game. I still think Brian Harson's going to be let go at the end of the season, but at least Auburn has that bowl game to look forward to. Going down some of the other ranked scores in college football, Kansas loses Oklahoma. Texas survives against Iowa State. The Georgia-Vanderbilt game, which was on at the same time as the Tennessee-Alabama game at 3.30, I actually was more intrigued by the Tennessee-Bama game. And I was scoreboard watching. I was looking at the Georgia game. But they had no problem with Vanderbilt. They beat them 55 to nothing. And Georgia is the number one team in college football. They did have a sluggish start against Kent State, Missouri, and at times Auburn. But they have a bye, and that Florida game is going to be a barometer just to see how good Georgia is. Because Florida has a playmaker at quarterback, Anthony Richardson. He can go off at any time. But Florida loses to LSU in the swamp. And I look at this LSU team, and they are 5-2. and two. They get the 45-35 to 35 victory over Florida. Florida drops to 4-3, and three, and they go into their bye an unranked Florida team. Do they have a shot against Georgia in two weeks? Well, I got plenty of time on this show to preview the Georgia-Florida game, and there's been a lot of great games in the past. I was actually shocked that Kentucky beat Mississippi State. I thought that Mississippi State at times looked like the third-best team in the SEC. Arkansas gets a very impressive win over BYU. So the SEC, I mean, you look at the SEC, they're really cannibalizing each other. Because Ole Miss is still undefeated. You have a one-loss Bama team that dropped all the way down to six. If they lose one more game, they're out. They're going to be out of the college football playoff. The only way that Alabama can make it into the college football playoff, they got to win all their games. And they got to win the SEC. But even with that, what if there's an undefeated Ohio State, an undefeated Clemson? What if TCU is still undefeated? Who gets in? The one team that did not help their cause was USC. Because I think if USC was undefeated, you can make the argument that the four teams in the college football playoff that were undefeated would get in. But USC lost to Utah thanks to a gutsy call by Cameron Rising and the Utah Utes to go for two, and they knock USC from the ranks of the unbeaten. I actually is surprised that USC has had such an incredible season as they had. I think that Lincoln Riley is a year early. And once he gets some defensive recruits, look out. USC could be as good as they were in the early 2000s with Pete Carroll. Some fascinating games. TCU beating Oklahoma State in double overtime, 43-40. to Syracuse, they are still undefeated. And they play Clemson next week. 6-0. and Unbelievable. And then Clemson got a big win over Florida State on the road. Clemson is hovering at number 5. And I look at Clemson. Are they the fifth best team in all of college football? DJ Uyangale is making plays for the Clemson Tigers, but would you put them up against Bama on a neutral field? Or what about TCU? What about UCLA? UCLA is still undefeated. What if UCLA wins out? Can they make it to the college football playoff? 
All right, looking at some of the local scores here in Georgia. Well, Georgia Tech was on a bye. You had a big win by Georgia Southern, knocking off James Madison. They were ranked 25th, and Georgia Southern gets the 45-38 to win. You had Georgia State and Georgia Tech on a bye, and LaGrange College is on a bye. But now let's talk about Mercer, because Mercer got a big win during homecoming against East Tennessee State University. Oh, the Mercer Bears look incredible. 55-33, to once again in front of a packed house at Five Star Stadium in Macon. And Mercer is 6-1, and they're playing their longtime rival, the Chattanooga Mocs, next week as they are 5-1. Their next home game is against Furman on November the 12th. I would love to go to a Mercer game. I know that uh, their voice, Bryce Kuhn, who's also a colleague and has a radio show here on this station, is the voice of the Mercer Bears, and Mercer's having such a special season. Another team in FCS that's not having a great season is the Kennesaw State Owls. They lose to Central Arkansas, and uh, that is not good. I know that Kennesaw State competes for championships at the FCS level, but Kennesaw State, they lose 51-24. to The news did come out over the weekend that Kennesaw State has agreed to join Conference USA in 2024. Well, that's great. And Kennesaw State is growing. It is a big school, but they have got to upgrade their facilities. Does that mean they get Division I recruits to the school? And will they expand the stadium of Fifth Third Bank Stadium? I've been a fan of Kennesaw State. My wife actually went to Kennesaw State for grad school. We lived about 10 minutes from the campus when we were living up in Ackworth. And I've been to several Kennesaw State basketball games, including the huge upset in 2010 when they knocked off Georgia Tech, that team that had Amon Shumpert and Glenn Rice Jr. But Kennesaw State has not done anything in basketball. So I'm very curious to see how they would fare in Conference USA and can they get some elite recruits to come into Kennesaw State. It's a good facility. All right, so like I said, LaGrange College is on a bye. That is the local teams for college football. So many just compelling college football games. I can't get to all of it because I only have an hour show. But let's talk about the National Football League because right now, and you're talking about a San Francisco 49ers fan that watched that 49ers-Falcons game And I was very impressed with the Atlanta Falcons and the way they played football. From start to finish, Marcus Mariota looked crisp with his passes. He actually had a 100% completion rate to start the game. He did have a couple of incompletions. Kyle Pitts got going. I'm glad because I have him on my fantasy team. Drake London was involved in the offense. Amadeus Zacchaeus. And the Falcons jumped out to a 14-0 lead, and that was problematic for the 49ers, who are not very good when it comes to coming from behind. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo at times looked good, but he did have two interceptions. And the Falcons' defense stepped up. They did not allow the 49ers to get back into that game. And it was clear, the 49ers are not the same team when Nick Bosa's not in the lineup. 
I knew that the Falcons wouldn't move the ball on the 49ers defense because they had Traverius Ward out with an injury. They lost Emmanuel Mosley last week, and they didn't have Nick Bosa. They didn't have Javon Kinlaw. They didn't have Eric Armstead. I mean, they are depleted by injuries. The 49ers are just hanging on. But I got to give credit to the Atlanta Falcons. They are looking like a playoff team. And the schedule actually gets a little bit easier. They play the Bengals next week. That's a winnable game. And then they play the Panthers, the Chargers, the Panthers again, the Bears, and the Commanders. Those are all winnable games for the Atlanta Falcons. And they are right now tied with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 3-3. Three and three. If the Falcons win this division, they're hosting a playoff game at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the first time in franchise history. We'll see a playoff game at the Benz, and that has been the goal ever since they built the stadium, and the Falcons just want to try to get back to the playoffs. Looking at the other scores in the National Football League, wow, this shocked me. The New England Patriots beating the Cleveland Browns 38-15. to I called it. I just didn't think it was going to be this big of a blowout. There is just something special about the game plan that Bill Belichick has anytime he faces the Cleveland Browns. The Browns had no shot. Bailey Zappi actually had a pretty decent game. The game plan was simple. He passed for 309 yards. Ramondre Stevenson had two touchdowns. They got Devontae Parker involved. And what does Bill Belichick do best? He takes away your best weapon. Nick Chubb was held to 56 yards rushing. I think if the Patriots just get to 500, I think that Bill Belichick is the coach of the year. I can't believe what Bill Belichick is doing with this team. It's incredible. Another great coach, Pete Carroll. He's got the Seahawks at 3-3. Three and three. I actually thought the Seahawks were going to be one of the worst teams in the league because you go from Russell Wilson to Geno Smith. Let's not forget that Geno Smith has Russell Wilson's former weapons, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, pretty decent wide receivers. What's been incredible for the Seahawks is their defense because remember, Jamal Adams is out for the season. So many storylines in the National Football League that are really shocking. The New York Jets, wow, four and two. They beat the Packers in Lambeau 27 to 10. And I believe that there is a chance the New York Jets can make the playoffs. They have not made the playoffs since 2010. Oh, the Jaguars, they let one slip away. They were up 14 to 3 in this game and Indianapolis came back and won it 34 to 27. The Minnesota Vikings are 5 and 1. They beat the Miami Dolphins 24 to 16. You got the Bengals that defeated the Saints 30 to 26. The New York football Giants, they are 5-1. and one. I think the reason why the Giants are playing so well, anytime you have a healthy Saquon Barkley, you have got a shot. They're playing hard for their coach, Brian Dable. I think he's a candidate for coach of the year. The Giants look really good. The Steelers got a very important victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home using their defense to win that game. The Rams get back to 500, beating the Panthers. We had Sunday night football last night as the Philadelphia Eagles remain undefeated by beating the Dallas Cowboys 26-17. And Cooper Rush loses his first game as a starter. The Eagles are the real deal. They're 6-0. 
They look like they could be 9-0 by the time they play Indianapolis. I'm looking at their schedule. They'll be on a bye. Then they'll play the Steelers in two weeks. Then the Texans, the Washington Commanders. Then they'll take on the Colts. Where are the losses going to come from? Maybe if the, when they play the Giants. I mean, they got to play the Bears. they got to play the Saints. They have a lot of bad football teams that they're playing. And I think the Eagles are not only a playoff team, but if they can get home field advantage, I think the Eagles have a shot at going to the Super Bowl. In fact, I am calling it right now. An early prediction. It's going to be the Eagles and Bills in the Super Bowl. There you have it. I don't see a flaw in this Eagles team. I do not see a flaw. And now the game of the day. I know that they really hyped this game up. And that first half was a little sluggish, but it got turned on in that second half. After Dawson Knox got a 14-yard touchdown pass from Josh Allen to go up 24-20, the Buffalo Bills beating the Kansas City Chiefs 24-20, both Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen going back and forth. Patrick Mahomes did throw an interception to end it. Patrick Mahomes had a minute four left to go. I was watching this game, and I was thinking to myself, oh yeah, that's plenty of time. Patrick Mahomes is going to go down and score a touchdown. He only had 13 seconds last year. This game was exciting, but they did kind of overhype this because of that playoff game last year. All right, you got the Monday night football game tonight. The Denver Broncos taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. And I am going to have my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank, on the show for the Daily Dash. But let's talk about some baseball. I tell you, these baseball playoffs have had just about everything. Last night, the New York Yankees beat the Cleveland Guardians 4-2, to two, and we will have a winner-take-all Game 5 tonight in Yankee Stadium. The winner will go on to the ALCS to take on the Houston Astros, who disposed of the Seattle Mariners. It was a great moment for Seattle, their first home playoff game since 2001. That 18-inning marathon, wow. Such an incredible game, as the Astros did win in 18 innings, one to nothing. A big shocker. You had the Dodgers win 111 games in the regular season, and they cannot win a playoff series. They lose to the San Diego Padres in three. The Padres took both games at home. And now you have a very unusual NLCS. I didn't think that these two teams would make it. I thought it was going to be Braves and Dodgers. You're going to get Padres and Phillies. Game one is going to be on Tuesday. So let's talk about the Braves. I know that you're disappointed, Braves fans. You won a World Series last year. The Braves won 101 games. Had a very good regular season. you got to give credit to the Phillies. They ran up against a hot team. And their chance to win that series, they had to get Game 1. I said on this show, they had to get Max Freed out there to win Game 1 at home. Because with that crowd in Philly, hosting a playoff game for the first time since 2011 that their bats were going to come alive. And Aaron Nola pitched a gym. I thought that the bullpen session in game four actually helped. The Phillies just pounded the Braves 9-1 to in game three. Game four, kind of the same scenario, 8-3. to Just the bats just would not stop hitting. They had 13 hits. You had an inside-the-park home run. Bryce Harper had a very good series. 
and the Braves just could not get anything going offensively. I was very impressed with the Phillies' bullpen session. Noah Syndergaard actually had three innings, and he did give up one run. The Braves' season is over, and now let's talk about the offseason because the big priority is to lock up Dansby Swanson for a long-term contract. I know that he's about to be a free agent. There's going to be a lot of teams that are going to want Dansby. He is a good shortstop, good defensive shortstop, and he can also hit. He can hit with power, and he hits in the clutch. The Braves will be back next year. They have a very young team with some players that have locked up for the next 10 years. Signing players like Spencer Strider, Michael Harris, they know what they're trying to do, and they are going to be relevant just about every year. Be happy that they did win that World Series. It would have been nice for them to win back-to-back. No National League team has won back-to-back since the Big Red Machine in the 1970s. But hey, as a Giants fan, I'm just happy the Dodgers aren't in the NLCS. I mean, how disappointed are the Dodgers that they didn't even make it to the NLCS? And it's going to be the Padres and Phillies. So it's going to be very intriguing, and I am looking forward to it. All right, the moment you've all been waiting for, it's about time that I'm going to reveal my top 10 rankings for East Alabama and West Georgia for Week 9. I'm going to start with East Alabama, so let's go. Number one, Lee Scott Academy. Shocking, I know. They jumped Auburn and Central in the rankings. They're 8-0. Look, these rankings are not based on 7A, AISA, single A. Lee Scott Academy is dominating for AISA at the AAA level. And Lee Scott Academy is going to compete for a state title. They are just steamrolling through everybody on their schedule, and that's why I put them number one. Number two is Central. Look, they won the head-to-head with Auburn. They beat Auburn 38-17. I know they have two losses, but one of those losses was to IMG Academy. Number three, the Auburn Tigers. Yes, they went from one to three. Auburn lost to Central. They also lost control of this region because now Central has the tiebreaker. These two teams are probably going to meet again in the state playoffs. Number four, they're going up in my rankings, the Hanley Tigers. Hanley is good. You know, they won a state title in 2020. Hanley's 8-1. Hanley, even though they lost to Aniston, and that's the team they're going to have to worry about in this region. Hanley did pick up the 46-14 win over Claiborne County. Number five, Locha Polka. Yes, the Polka way is working. They did lose to Maplesville, their first loss of the season. They will compete for a state playoff. Number six, Beauregard. They did lose to Central Clay County, but I still have them high in my rankings because they have had just an incredible season. Number seven, the Eufaula Tigers. Eufaula getting a win over Rehoboth. And they move up in my rankings. Number eight, Chambers Academy. Six wins in a row. They move up in my rankings because they are looking resilient. And they compete at the AISA level for double A. They will have a big showdown in two weeks against Glenwood, a non-region game that could be a candidate for high school game of the week. For that week, and Corey and I will be calling that game. In fact, that is our final 
game for the high school game of the week for the CW Jabama and Beam. So I am super excited about that game. It's always a treat when we come out to Glenwood. They treat us so well. And Chambers Academy, looking at their schedule, they're playing Hooper Academy next week, taking on Glenwood on the 28th of October. Number nine, Realtown. Realtown has rattled off six straight wins. After losing Tallahassee in week one, Realtown is starting to become the real deal. No pun intended, but I like what Realtown is doing as a football program, and they have just very good chance. They're undefeated in the region still. After beating Laverne 44-14, you look at 2A Region 3, and Realtown is right up there with Highland Home. Now, they still have to play Highland Home. I think a Highland Home can win a state title. They're taking on Highland Home this Friday night. Highland Home is still undefeated at 9-0. And then number 10, Glenwood. New to my rankings. It's been a while, but Glenwood at 5-3. They got a win over Atuga Academy. Now, they take on Morgan Academy, and then they take on Chambers Academy. They're 5-1 in their region. And the reason why I put Glenwood in this rankings and not Opelika, because Opelika is 5-4. I mean, they might not even make the playoffs. They lose to Enterprise on Friday, and that's why they have completely fallen out of my rankings. I know that Opelika fans are not going to like that at all. You know, it is what it is. I mean, I wanted to make sure that Glenwood got in my rankings. All right, moving on to West Georgia. Number one and fresh off a bye, Troop County. Troop County will take on Fayette County, and then their last two games is a gauntlet of a schedule. Trinity Christian and LaGrange. Enjoy. Number two, the St. Anne Bocelli Vikings. You know, the Viking way, basically what they are doing, St. Anne Bocelli could win a state title for the GIAA. I believe that. Rex Castillo and Jack Patterson believe that. You know, big shout out to the WRBL sports team. I think that what St. Ampicelli is doing, you know, beating Brookstone two years in a row, they get a big win over Strong Rock Christian. They take on Heritage in two weeks, and then Westfield School, two more region games. They can win out the rest of their region games and steamroll into the playoffs. And I think St. Ampicelli is in good shape. Number three, the Carver Tigers. I put Carver back on this list after getting a big win over Crisp County. Carver is 5-2, and two, and Carver is just starting to feel it as a program. Number four, the Callaway Cavaliers. Four straight wins, beating Towers on homecoming. They are 4-3, and three, and they have got a massive game this Friday, which looks like it's going to be the high school game of the week, against Eagles Landing Christian Academy at Callaway Stadium. Number five, the LaGrange Grangers. A massive game this Friday night in Sharpsburg against the Lions of Trinity Christian. Number six, the Northside Patriots. Seven and one after getting a win over Northgate. And they are two and oh in their region with two more games left to play against Drew and McIntosh. Northside is looking really good and could make a big run in the playoffs. Number seven, I got them jumping all the way up to number seven because... The Spencer Green Wave control their own destiny. They're 5-2, and 3-0 and in region play, and they get to christen that brand-new stadium, the state-of-the-art facility, Otis Spencer Stadium, 
the Spencer Green Wave is taking on Northeast, and they control their playoff destiny. Number eight, Schley County. They are five and two, and three and zero oh in region play. Number nine is Manchester, five and two, three and zero oh in region play. The winner of that game, I'm going to move them up in my rankings. So something's got to give. These two teams, they are in the driver's seat. Whoever wins that game. That was a candidate for High School Game of the Week. There was a chance I thought that was going to be High School Game of the Week. But, the, man, the Callaway fan base, what can I say? You guys are just going to the Twitter poll, and you pretty much stuff the ballot box because Eagles Landing Christian Academy is not a Chattahoochee Valley school, but that is a big game regardless, and the Callaway fan base really listens to the show. And number 10, I got them back on the rankings because they have one a couple of games after losing to St. Ampicelli. It's the Brookstone Cougars, 4-3. and three, And I had to drop Calvary Christian out of my rankings because they are 5-4. and four. That is my rankings for East Alabama and West Georgia. I always enjoy doing this. I reveal my rankings every Monday on the show. I will recap my rankings on the Friday Night Lights High School Football Preview Review Show. I'm going to have that this Friday. You don't want to miss it. A lot of things going on in the show. I have a very busy week. we got the NBA season that is starting on Tuesday, and I am changing my pick. I know I said the Milwaukee Bucks are going to win the NBA title. Actually, I think the Golden State Warriors are going to win the NBA title. They just locked up Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole. I think if Draymond Green gets along with his teammates, Draymond Green is the X Factor. Anytime he is in the lineup, the Warriors are scary because he is the dog. He does all the dirty work for the Golden State Warriors. They still have the Splash Brothers. But also Andrew Wiggins really came on as of late in the NBA Finals. Remember, he was a number one overall draft pick. And I love to gloat, but man, when I saw that score in the preseason with the Sacramento Kings beating the Los Angeles Lakers, it felt good. I was a bandwagon Keens fan from 1997 to 2005 because that's when I lived in Sacramento, which you're allowed to root for the local team. Still bitter about the 2002 Western Conference Finals. I'm still, absolutely, absolutely. The Lakers should have a championship with an asterisk because that was absolutely ridiculous. What Tim Donaghy and all those NBA referees fixing Game 6 And I just can't live it down to this day. Right, I had enough ranting on the show. I'm going to get my broadcast partner and co-host Corey Bank on the show. As we are going to talk about college football and really going to deep dive into this Tennessee-Alabama game because it's such a fascinating game. And I'm going to have Gabe Reynolds on the show on Tuesday. I'm going to have Brad Page on the show on Wednesday. And I'm going to have to ask the question to Brad Page if he's saying Rocky Top all night. Justin Dale is going to be on the show on Thursday as we will recap the Atlanta Braves season, talk about Georgia and the Atlanta Falcons. You don't want to go anywhere. I'm going to go ahead and get Corey Bank here on the show. We will be right back. Welcome back to the show. I've got my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank, as we are going to recap some college football games. Corey, how was your weekend? My weekend was great, Richard. We're going to start with the Alabama-Tennessee game. Biggest game of the year. Probably one of the greatest games in my lifetime. A back-and-forth game. Tennessee went up 28-10. to And 
Bryce Young, what shoulder injury? He looked great. Hendon Hooker looked great. It was a back-and-forth game. When Dallas Turner got the scoop and score, I I seriously thought that Alabama was going to pull away and win this game. Tennessee was resilient, and they were able to get the 52-49 to victory thanks to a knuckle-kick field goal by Chase McGrath and then a sea of orange piles Neyland Stadium, and the goalposts are floating somewhere in the Tennessee River. Huge win by the Tennessee Volunteers. First time since 2006 that they have knocked off Alabama. It's the first time that Tennessee has beaten Nick Saban. Corey, Tennessee is back, officially back after beating Bama. Absolutely, Richard. So Tennessee put an end to the 15 years of misery at the hands of Alabama on Saturday as the number six volunteers, they upset those Crimson Tide, 52-49 at Neyland Stadium. For Tennessee's first win in the rivalry since 2006, the Volunteers kicker Chase McGrath, like you said, Richard, drilled that 40-yarder to win. Now, at this time, no one was caught, more caught under UT success than wide receiver Jalen Hyatt, who caught a school record five touchdowns, Richard, as Tennessee improved to 6-0 with this victory. Now, a missed 50-yard field goal attempt with the Alabama kicker, Will Reichert, with 15 seconds left, and this Tennessee were left with gasp effort, and this volunteer quarterback, Hendon Hooker, capitalized by moving the ball onto the field goal range with the two completions. Hooker went completed on his passes, 21 or 30, 386 yards with all five touchdowns to Hyatt, totaling 270 yards with the five scores, coming on six total catches in the game. Tennessee squandered a 28 to 10 second quarter lead by allowing Alabama to score on five straight possessions at one point in this game, in the second and third quarters. But the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, quarterback Bryce Young Richard, put forth a valiant effort in his return from a shoulder injury for the Tide and had Alabama ahead 49-42 midway through the fourth quarter. Young completed 35-52 passing for 455 yards with two touchdowns as running back. Jamar Gibbs had 103 yards and three touchdowns, carried a heavy load for the tide on the ground. Yet, no matter how much ground Young and Gibbs covered, the second-year Tennessee coach, Josh Hoople, was always able to dial up an offense answer. So that's where we get it. The Tennessee Volunteers put together an amazing win, an exhilarating win for them. Absolutely, Corey. I had fun watching it, and uh, Tennessee, that game looming in a couple of weeks against the University of Georgia, and uh, I cannot wait for that. Let's move on to the next game, because we had quite the action in college football on Saturday. It's probably the best Saturday that I've ever witnessed. The noon kickoff, Penn State and Michigan, a very sluggish game to start, but Michigan pulls away. Michigan is now ranked third in the polls. Michigan gets the 41 to 17 win. And I really am impressed with JJ McCarthy, who's been inserted in place of Cade McNamara. We saw this Penn State team destroy Auburn, but Penn State, they show up, they come up in these big games, and they come up short as head coach James Franklin is 0 10 on the road against top five programs. 
So, Corey, what was your thoughts on this game? So, indeed, Richard, this Michigan team cruised to a 41-17 win over Penn State, putting the lines away with a dominant second-half performance after failing to capitalize on the red zone trips early. The host, the Wolverines, started the game with two long drives into the red zone, but were forced to settle for field goals both times. Michigan finally finished another long drive in their third possession to make it 13-0, but the lack of touchdowns left the Nittany Lions hang around. They nearly took advantage of it, too. Penn State used a long run by quarterback Sean Clifford and a pick six to close the gap to 16-14 at halftime. And the Nittany Lions opened the second half with a field goal drive to take it a 17-16 lead. That made it look like we've had our hands full. But we didn't from the start. It was all the Wolverines who sliced up the Penn State defense on the ground. Donovan Edwards, 16 carries, 173 yards, two touchdowns, and Blake Curum, 28 carries, 166 yards, and two touchdowns. They were able to get anything they wanted on the ground, Richard, and it was Curum's 61-yard touchdown run after Michigan's defense forced a turnover on downs that gave the Wolverines a 31-17 lead with 7-20 remaining in the third quarter, and that at that point in time, iced the football game. Oklahoma State and TCU. Wow, what a game. And Oklahoma State was up big against the Horned Frogs. But TCU, playing at home, resilient as always. Max Dugan leading the charge. The TCU Horned Frogs get the 43-40 victory in double overtime. Corey, you called it. Great pick by you. I picked Oklahoma State. They were my dark horse to make it to the college football playoff. And so, a good job nailing that pick. I appreciate that, Richard. So, in this game, TCU quarterback Max Dugan was getting second-team reps. Early in the year, he had lost the job out of camp and expected to play sparingly behind quarterback transfer Chandler Morris. But facing a 14-point deficit in the fourth quarter, Richard, against this Oklahoma State team, Dugan never blinked. The Frogs trailed 24-7 to in the first half, and at one point, they were down 30-16 to 16 with just 10 minutes remaining in the fourth. Dewey completed, completed passes of 30 and 25 to start to throwing it to his receivers, Quentin Johnson, to march down the field twice in the final minutes to force overtime. Facing second and 11 and on the 13-yard line in double overtime, Dugan ran a fake handoff to running back Kendry Miller. When the defensive end bit, Dugan put every bit of his body on the line, absorbing a massive hit and rumbling his way to what's to be the scoring drive on the goal line. Two plays later, Miller punched the ball in, and the Frogs finished off this 43-40 win to emerge as the final undefeated team in the Big 12, Richard, and the new favorite to win the conference championship for the first time since 2014. It's truly a story that you don't see every day. The sentiment, the value, they fought to the bitter end. That's what college football is all about, Richard. All right, in the nightcap game, the Clemson Tigers, they defeated the Florida State Seminoles coming out to that 34-14 to lead. It was a statement win for Clemson, who's not really looked all that impressive, but they're still undefeated. They are number five in the rankings as they dropped a little bit. Tennessee jumped them, obviously. But they beat Florida State 34-28. to 
Florida State did get those late touchdowns in the fourth quarter. But have you been impressed with Clemson? I mean, they've got a big game next week against Syracuse. Clemson seems like they've been playing a game where they just fight to the bitter end. They're not the most talented Clemson team, but they fight. So this number four Clemson team faced an early deficit against Florida State this week, but they escaped with a 34-28 win. After outscoring the Seminoles 23-0 during a long stretch in the middle of the game, Florida State drew within six points with two minutes and 17 seconds, Richard, but failed to convert an onside kick from the Tigers, which improved them to 7-0 with the win. So Clemson could rise in the polls on Sunday because of number three Alabama's loss to Tennessee. Through Clemson was hardly dominant in this victory, but they led 34-14 for the chunk of the game. Second half as a running back, Will Shipley notched 121 yards on the ground on 20 carries. The victory sets up a clash of ACC unbeaten teams next week, and that is a very important game against the Orangemen of Syracuse. So after the Orange improved 6-0 with a 24-9 win over number 15 North Carolina State and other ranked action, number 22 Kentucky snapped a two-game losing streak by knocking off number 16 Mississippi State 27-17 behind a huge game for Chris Rodriguez Jr., the senior running back tallied 190 yards and two touchdowns on 30 carries. Wildcats star quarterback Will Levis returned to the field Saturday after missing last week's game against South Carolina with a foot injury. But all in all, this Clemson team prevails and they continue their pursuit for the national title. Get ready for the first college football playoff rankings. They say that the Tennessee Volunteers has the best body of work, but because they were unranked in the preseason poll, they are only number four. But Corey, so far in this college football season, has Tennessee been the most impressed team? And would they be deserving of our number one ranking when the college football playoff rankings come out? Without a doubt, they're the most dynamic team in college football right now. No one saw it coming because, like you said, they were unranked before this season. But sometimes you have an incredible story, and they must honor it. The ranking system can be flawed at times, but this is one of those times when if you can beat a team like Alabama, you're deserving of that spot. All right, Corey, I'm going to play a little game of scenario. Let's say at the end of the college football season, TCU, UCLA, Ohio State, and Clemson are all undefeated and there's a one-loss Alabama team out there. Does a one-loss Alabama team get in over any one of those teams? They shouldn't, but here's the thing. We know how those polls work. They might do it anyways. I agree. I think that with USC losing to Utah, that was huge because I actually thought that USC could make it to the college football playoff if they went undefeated, but now UCLA is the only remaining team from the Pac-12 that's undefeated, and they got a big game at Autzen Stadium next week against the Oregon Ducks. Oh, I love college football. This is great, Corey. Besides that Tennessee-Alabama game, what was the most exciting? You know what, Corey? I didn't even watch a single snap of the Georgia-Vanderbilt game. That game was on at 3.30 as well. My eyes were glued to the TV when it came to Tennessee-Alabama. That was a fascinating game. So much fun. You're a baseball fan, right? I know your Mets lost to the Padres, uh, the Braves lost to the Phillies. How surprised are you that the NLCS is the Braves, is, is the Phillies and the Padres? 
Not at all. In that division, all three of those teams have been competitive all year long, and all it took is a team to make their mark later on in the season. I'm really not surprised. The Phillies have a great ball club. All right, so I'm going to make a World Series prediction. I'm going to say it's going to be the Padres and the Astros. That's an interesting prediction, Bridget. Yeah, I, I just feel that the Padres have all this momentum, and now they have home field advantage. The fact is that they expanded the wild card, and so the fifth and the sixth seed make it to the NLCS. That's very intriguing. The Padres were the fifth seed. They're going to get home field advantage over the Phillies, but that should be a very interesting NLCS. Um, it could go either way. I think that both fan bases are hungry to get back to the World Series. The Phillies have not been there since 2009. The Padres have not been there since 1998. It should really be a fascinating season. But right now, the odds-on favorite to win the World Series is the Houston Astros. And they came so close last year to the Braves. And Dusty Baker, it would be his first World Series as a manager. I mean, I'm rooting for the guy. He's a great manager. But I, I can't act, wait to see. I know the Braves are out of it. I know your Mets are out of it. But I'm still going to watch the baseball playoffs. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun to see specifically these two teams battle it out. And they've had a long historical drought, which means they're going to be hungry. And the, both these fan bases are grateful to be playing at this mark at this stage of the season. All right. And we're going to break the we're going to break down this game tomorrow. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but Corey, your Jets are four and two. Yes, they are. Oh, it's exciting. I can't wait to break down that game with you tomorrow. Corey, appreciate you as always. And I, I can't wait till you you're back on the show tomorrow as we will break down the NFL. Absolutely, Richard. Thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure. All right. As always, that is my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank. And stay tuned for tomorrow's show. That's all the time we have. So for Corey Bank, I'm Richard Holder saying so long here for the Sports Beat. Don't forget that you could find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. You could also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm pretty active on my social media, just talking about what the games are going on during the week. All right. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day, and we are out of here. Bye. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.